This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Voyages of Dr. Doolittle by Hugh Lofting. Part 4. Chapter 1. Shellfish Languages Again. Miranda, the purple bird of paradise, had prophesied rightly when she had foretold a good spell of weather. For three weeks the good ship Curlew ploughed her way through smiling seas before a steady, powerful wind. I suppose most real sailors would have found this part of the voyage dull, but not I. As we got further south and further west, the face of the sea seemed different every day, and all the little things of the voyage which an old hand would have hardly bothered to notice were matters of great interest for my eager eyes. We did not pass many ships. When we did see one, the doctor would get out his telescope and we would all take a look at it. Sometimes he would signal to it asking for news by hauling up little coloured flags upon the mast, and the ship would signal back to us in the same way. The meaning of all the signals was printed in a book which the doctor kept in the cabin. He told me it was the language of the sea, and that all ships could understand it, whether they be English, Dutch or French. Our greatest happening during those first weeks was passing an iceberg. When the sun shone on it, it burst into a hundred colours, sparkling like a jewelled palace in a fairy story. Through the telescope we saw a mother polar bear with a cub sitting on it, watching us. The doctor recognised her as one of the bears who had spoken to him when he was discovering the North Pole. So he sailed the ship up close and offered to take her and her baby on the curlew if she wished it. But she only shook her head, thanking him. She said it would be far too hot for the cub on the deck of our ship, with no ice to keep his feet cool. It had been indeed a very hot day, but the nearness of that great mountain of ice made us all turn up our coat collars and shiver with the cold. During those quiet, peaceful days I improved my reading and writing a great deal with the doctor's help. I got on so well that he let me keep the ship's log. This is a big book kept on every ship, a kind of diary, in which the number of miles run the direction of your course and everything else that happens is written down. The doctor, too, in what spare time he had, was nearly always writing, in his notebooks. I used to peep into these sometimes, now that I could read, but I found it hard work to make out the doctor's handwriting. Many of these notebooks seemed to be about sea things. There were six thick ones filled full with notes and sketches of different seaweeds, and there were others on seabirds, others on sea worms, others on seashells. They were all some day to be rewritten, printed, and bound like regular books. One afternoon we saw, floating around us, great quantities of stuff that looked like dead grass. The doctor told me this was gulfweed. A little further on it became so thick that it covered all the water as far as the eye could reach. It made the curlew look as though she were moving across a meadow instead of sailing the Atlantic. Crawling about upon this weed, many crabs were to be seen and the sight of them reminded the doctor of his dream of learning the language of the shellfish. He fished several of these crabs up with a net and put them in his listening tank to see if he could understand them. Among the crabs he also caught a strange-looking chubby little fish, which he told me was called a silver fidget. After he had listened to the crabs for a while with no success, he put the fidget into the tank and began to listen to that. I had to leave him at this moment to go and attend to some duties on the deck, but presently I heard him below shouting for me to come down again. "'Stubbins!' he cried as soon as he saw me. "'A most extraordinary thing! Quite unbelievable! I'm not sure whether I'm dreaming. Can't believe my own senses! I... 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 Why, doctor,' I said, "'what is it? What's the matter?' 
the fidget he whispered pointing with a trembling finger to the listening tank in which the little round fish was still swimming quietly he talks english and and he whistles tunes english tunes talks english i cried whistles why it's impossible it's a fact said the doctor white in the face with excitement it's only a few words scattered with no particular sense to them all mixed up with his own language which i can't make out yet but they're english word unless there's something very wrong with my hearing and the tune he whistles it's as plain as anything always the same tune now you listen and tell me what you make of it tell me everything you hear don't miss a word i went to the glass tank upon the table while the doctor grabbed a notebook and a pencil undoing my collar I stood upon the empty packing-case he had used for a stand and put my right ear down under the water. For some moments I detected nothing at all, except with my dry ear, the heavy breathing of the doctor as he waited, all stiff and anxious for me to say something. At last, from within the water, sounding like a child singing miles and miles away, I heard an unbelievably thin, small voice. Ah, I said. What is it? asked the doctor in a hoarse, trembly whisper. What does he say? I can't quite make it out, I said. It's mostly in some strange fish language. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, now I get it. No smoking. My, here's a queer one. Popcorn and picture postcards here. This way out. Don't spit. What funny things to say, Doctor. But wait, now he's whistling the tune. What tune is it? gasped the Doctor. John Peel. Aha, cried the Doctor. That's what I made it out to be, and he wrote furiously in his notebook. I went on listening. This is most extraordinary, the doctor kept muttering to himself as his pencil went wiggling over the page. Most extraordinary, but frightfully thrilling. I wonder where he... Here's some more, I cried. Some more English. The big tank needs cleaning. That's all. Now he's talking fish talk again. The big tank, the doctor murmured, frowning in a puzzled kind of a way. I wonder where on earth he learned... Then he bounded up out of his chair. I have it, he yelled. This fish has escaped from an aquarium. Why, of course. Look at the kind of things he's learned. Picture postcards. They always sell them in aquariums. Don't spit. No smoking. This way out for things that attendants say. And then, my, here's a queer one. That's the kind of thing that people exclaim when they look into the tanks. It all fits. There's no doubt about it, Stubbins. We have here a fish who has escaped from captivity. And it's quite possible not certain by any means but quite possible that i may now through him be able to establish communications with the shellfish this is a great piece of luck end of chapter one